0: Okay, so of course we're talking about prayer specifically at the moment. Um, there you go, look, it's on screen for you. Um, no, we're talking about prayer at the moment. I have a specific focus on prayer. We're doing this right throughout the family church congregations. We're talking about the same aspects each week throughout the congregations. The message may be very slightly, but the, the essence of what we're talking about is the same. Um, each week, because so we're kind of doing this together as, as a whole church, and um, we had loads of great feedback so far, and it was great here. I was listening to Dan's message um, during the week in the car, of all places, um, and it was a great message. Great message last week, just kind of laying the foundation. We did kind of an intro, didn't we, the very first week, and then last week, um, kind of really building a platform. Dan shared so well on, on what prayer. Prayer is, it's interesting, I could hear the thunderstorms on the record, it's quite interesting. There's one, there's one point where Dan says about the prayer of the righteous avails much, and suddenly there's like a, a big, a massive clap um, of thunder. I don't know whether that, what God was telling us, he was endorsing we're righteous, or maybe warning us that we're not righteous. I'm not sure. No, we are righteous because of what Jesus did, as we've just been, as we've just celebrated. Amen. But it did make me laugh. But yeah, thank you, Dan, that was great. So the last week we talked about what what is prayer. And what we're going to talk about this morning is about teach us to pray. About kind of, we call this teach us, teach us to pray. So remember we're talking about the house of prayer. uh, A kind of a key, key verse is Matthew, or key verses. Matthew 21, verse 12 to 13, where Jesus enters the temple courts not long before the crucifixion. And it says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers, and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now we're not calling anybody in church robbers. <laughs> we're calling us as church robbers in any way, okay. But the essence of what we want to talk about is was, was Jesus how important Jesus was saying and declared it there that my house should be a house of prayer. Yeah, that prayer is really, really important to God. You know, and, and as Christians, if we want to grow in our Christian faith, which I'm sure we all do, one of the big lessons to learn is is to, is to value what, what God values. Amen? And you can't really go wrong. Well, you can't go wrong. I so say you can't really go wrong. You definitely can't go wrong. If you if you, value, if you learn to value what God values, you can't go wrong with that. Amen? That's, that's the essence of, of, of being a Christian. So God values prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. And we talked about there's, there's two different aspects of it that for us, in our own personal lives, this body, who we are, that we can say it's about ourselves. That I will be a house of prayer. That me, I will be a house of prayer. And we're going to particularly talk about personal prayer or we'll develop it more next ne- next Sunday. Okay, but also corporately together, we will be a house of prayer. Amen. So in our own lives, we, we value prayer. We understand what prayer is about. We understand why why we pray. Why God wants us to pray. It's not a religious exercise, but we understand the principle behind it. And, and we value prayer in our own lives and make it a bigger priority in our own lives. And also corporately together, that we will be a house of prayer uh, together. Amen? So it's my house, our personal lives, and our house, our church family. And we've got our prayer nights. I said the worship nights uh, that we have once a month are turning into prayer nights for October and November. So that's the, uh, next, next Sunday. Okay, so half past six next week is going to be specifically prayer night. Amen? I'd encourage you to be there, amen, (laughs) because this is what we're we're talking about, changing our culture, aren't we, and and for, for, for not we've had a bad culture, but just making prayer a much higher priority, maybe maybe that has been, of course we've always been a praying church, you know, if a church isn't praying at all, then is it really being a church, probably not, okay, so we've we've always always prayed, and we've always valued prayer, but putting a, a just kind of, you know, changing our culture, we put a much higher value on it, and understand it really does matter whether we pray or not, in our personal lives and, and corporately, it really does matter, amen. So Dan last week talked about kind of laid the foundations of prayer. Prayer is a two-way communication with God. It helps us to have fellowship with God. And you know, their relationships in in any context are built on communication, aren't they? Whether it's a, whether it's a a friendship or a, you know a, a parent and a child or, or a marriage, they're, they're built on communication, aren't they? Sometimes I'm asked what are the what are the what are the three most important things in marriage. He goes, if you want some advice this morning, the three most important things in marriage are communication, communication, and communication. So there you go. There you go. So you can take that away, but it's nothing to do with the message. Okay, but other than yes, yeah, freebie. But the essence of that is because all relationships. This is true of friendships. So if you're not married, okay, that, that's fine as well. Okay, we all have relationships in different contexts, don't we? Whether we with a parent with it's friends. Communication is the basis of that. If you had any kind of relationship context, if you never ever spoke to each other, that would be an odd relationship, right? It would be weird. <laughs> It'd be weird, wouldn't it? None of the married people looking at each other, <laughs> or maybe in your friendships, or, or anywhere else, or with your parents, or whatever else. But but communication is key, isn't it? and talking to each other is is key. And it would be an odd relationship if there was no kind of like regular communication. But that's, and if we understand that as in our human relationships, how much more should we understand that relationship with God? If communication is key naturally, how much more so in our relationship with God that it is really, really important that we talk to God and that He has the opportunity we give him room to talk back to us and we make that time. Amen. And the prayer also should should be a lifestyle. So all those things are all those things are really, really important. That was kind of the foundations of what, what prayer is. But if they want to look at what Jesus said or he was asked about being uh, teaching us to pray, the disciples come to Jesus and they specifically ask him, say, Lord, how do we pray? what do we do and obviously the context of this is is the is the disciples they they, they were kind of brought up as good good jews but they, they would have seen the pharisees the religious leaders and the priests the priests praying and they kind of had their own view of kind of uh, how how they should pray or how they thought they should pray and we'll talk a bit more about that next week but they then had also watched how jesus had prayed thought, hang on this is this is a little bit different to what we've seen before it's all how the how Jesus prayed with his father. How he'd make time to pray with his father. How he had a really effective personal prayer life, and and you know and because of that, his own life was effective and fruitful for God. So Jesus teaches and lays us out some key uh, key principles, and, and we often call this the Lord's Prayer. Jesus didn't describe it in that way; but it's just the way we've it's been labeled since, I guess. So this is in Matthew six, so the disciples come to Jesus. So Jesus teaches to pray. So I want to break down different aspects uh, of this morning because it's really important important uh, principles in this so Matthew 6 verse 9 in this manner therefore praise what Jesus said our father and of course I'm sure many of you know this our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen so this instructs us, it gives us some great principles about how we should pray. Now, I don't believe this should be a religious thing where we just kind of, you know, learn this by rote and repeat it by rote. Although you can't go wrong with with quoting scripture, okay? There's nothing wrong in in, in essence of doing that. But when it becomes an issue, it's when it just becomes a religious thing. You know, just we just repeat it because we think, well, that's 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 the right thing to do. <laughs> Let's repeat that. Right? It's about the essence and the principles of what Jesus is talking, talking about here. So that's what we're going to kind of unpack. You know these key components this morning. Okay. So Jesus starts by saying, "What we what we always the, is the first focus is our Father in heaven." Amen. So when we pray, then we're praying to the Father, and that's what that's what Jesus did. He prayed to the Father, and we're speaking to our Father, not just not just Jesus's Father. Jesus would often would, would spend time, wouldn't he? Would do it on a daily basis. Would go up a mountainside to pray. He would, he would go out on a boat. He would try and get out on his own to spend time with his Father. So this is a key component: our Father in heaven. And also reminding ourselves that when we pray to the Father in heaven, He of the Majesty in heaven that He has, where where He is residing, where our Father is. Now Romans eight verse fifteen says. Paul Paul writes this, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And this could be a whole separate message in itself. But we recognize that that God is our Father. Amen? And he resides in, in the majesty and the glory of heaven. So so when we pray, we don't have to repeat it by rote, our Father in heaven. We have to say it in those exact English words, okay? But what it's saying is when when we do pray, we understand who we're praying to and we understand where he is and who he is. Amen? We recognize that he's our Father and he's in the glory and majesty of heaven. Amen? Secondly, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is just a, you know, holy, you could say. It's a bit of an older English word, isn't it? but just mean holy. Holy is your name. And this is talking about, just again, we recognize he's our father. And we recognize that he resides in heaven, the glory and majesty of what, what that means. He's our creator, our, our Lord. But also coming with reverence. Understanding who he is. Amen. Psalm 96 verse 9 says this. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Now, the fear, of, the fear of God is something that often gets misunderstood and, and misquoted or just just confused. And some people uh, just end up terrified of God. And if, if any of you are terrified of God, we, we've, we've kind of missed the point. We ever get terrified of God, thinking that we cannot come into his presence, that we don't deserve to come into his presence. We don't, well, in one says we don't deserve it, but because of the cross, we now deserve it. But, you know, we can be literally fearful of God. So we should carry the fear of God. And and we, we have total reverence when we come before Him. We recognize Him in His holiness. We recognize who He is. We recognize the the privilege of praying praying to Him. What a privilege and honor it is, Amen. That the, the, the curtain the the, temp, the temple the curtain was on the temple that divided the people from the holy of holies. It says at the time of the cross and the crucifixion that that curtain was torn in two. And it was what it was talking about is, is the barrier between the people. The people could not go into the holiest place in the temple. Only the priests would go, and some of the priests would would die because, and it talked about this in the Old Testament, some of the priests would die because the presence of God was just so powerful. And it was like this barrier, this huge curtain, a huge kind of like curtain, like the red one there, this massive curtain it was just ripped, torn in two. The barrier was, was removed, amen? So we have every right to go into his presence, but we recognize the holiness of who he is, the righteousness of who he is. We just sang this morning, we just stand in awe. What else can you do? In the presence of God, but stand in awe. So we, so we recognize who we're praying to. We're praying to our Father, He resides in the glory and majesty of heaven, and we and we come before Him. We, we, we fear God, but not in a, we're not terrified, but but we recognize who He is. We come with reverence. That's what the fear of God means, recognizing who He is. Amen. We worship in the splendor of His holiness. Amen. And thirdly, then then Jesus continues to unpack it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven. So we, we've talked about this a lot as a church, and we should understand this as, as believers. You know that we've brought out of a dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. Amen. Colossians, Colossians one verse thirteen and fourteen. Paul writes that, "For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." So when when we were born again, when we became a Christian, when we accepted God into our lives. Except accepted what Jesus has done on the cross for us. We're brought out of a dominion. Remember, we're not, we're not in the kingdom of darkness. Satan is not the king of anything. It's a dominion of darkness. We're brought out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son. We're now people of a, people who are a different spirit. We're people of a different a different kingdom. Amen? And when we kind of get this down deep into our hearts, it totally changes our thinking about what it is to be a Christian because we, we, we understand that we're part of a different culture. You know, our world has a culture, isn't it? And... Some aspects are good, and some aspects definitely aren't very good. Okay, but but whatever the kind of the world's culture is, we're part of a completely different culture. Yeah. We're part of Kingdom culture. Amen. We're part we're part of a different we're part of a different uh, different kingdom. Amen. We need to understand that that means in God's not being unreasonable uh, when he, when He expects us is He expects submission from us. So if we understand that we're part of a kingdom, that means we understand the King, right? And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, we live in a natural kingdom. This shouldn't be difficult for us to understand in Britain, right? We live in a kingdom. Right? And and what, what he's talking about here is just understanding who the king is. So we have a different culture and we understand who the king is. And he's the king of kings, much higher above, of course, than any natural king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? So there's a different culture. And as part of that culture then we understand that, that part of that is, is God doing his will in us. God doing his will on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it says we should pray. Now, so often when we, when we, when we kind of quote that, we can still think, well, oh, God, do your will across the earth. And, and all those things we should absolutely pray in this you know, crazy world that we live in, where just stuff's just going on everywhere, left, right, and center, and across the planet. And we know that's part of the end times that we're in and all that kind of stuff, and we've talked about that earlier in the year. So absolutely we should pray for God's will to be done across the earth. But do you know what? I really believe that starts with us. And so often we can miss that in, in when we pray that. Because when, when we pray that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, do you know what? We need to start with God's will being done in us. God, may your will be done in me as it is in heaven. You know, the reason, the reason it says as it is in heaven is because I'm sure we'd all agree and be okay with the principle, you know, the theological principle, that God's will is done in heaven, right? Everyone agree? Yeah. There would not be any aspect or any context in which God's will is not done in heaven, right? So what, this is what Jesus is saying. I pray that his will is done on earth. Pray that his will is done in us, just like it is in heaven where God's perfect will is, is, is carried out. Pray that God's perfect will is done in our lives. I that becomes a big challenge, right? Wow. Okay. <laughs> so it starts with us, right? Okay, But that's part of being submitted to the king. Understanding that we're, we're in a new kingdom. That there's a new culture. Amen? May his will be done in us. Remember, this is about principles. Remember, it's not repeating it by rote, as we talked about. But the principles in which we pray we understand who our father if we pray to our father we recognize who he is we recognize the holiness and the majesty and the glory of who he is in heaven we pray for god's god's will to be done in our lives just like it is in heaven and pray for god's will across the earth to be done as it is in heaven we we're submitted to the king number 4 jesus goes on to say give us this day our daily our daily bread this is talking about asking god to be our asking god to provide for us to be our daily provision, to be our daily daily protection. Now, particularly in those kind of days, in the context of when it was written 2,000 years ago, bread was, I mean, it still is to some extent, but bread was very much a staple diet then. Was a huge part of what they ate was, was bread. So it was kind of, and of course, God provided a man of them, of course, in the, in the desert. You know, it was, it was talking about that, that, daily, that daily sustenance, that daily provision, that, that daily protection. We all need that in our lives, amen? Let's be praying that over our lives, amen? The daily bread of God's provision, the daily the bread of God's protection. And, and also, Jesus himself is our daily bread. Amen. Jesus described himself in that way. John 6, verse 32 to 35. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. That's referring to the manna in the, in, the, in the desert, as was mentioned. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes me will never be thirsty. Amen? So it's what we should pray. Give us this day our daily bread. But that also is giving us Jesus on a daily basis, spending time with Jesus. Amen? We need that daily bread of Jesus himself, as well as his provision and his protection. It's actually about him. We need him on a daily basis. Amen? Equality time with him. Amen, to give us hope and to give us, give us peace and just to, just to want just to spend time with him. Because again, any relationship, one, it's built on communication and second, it's built on just spending time together, isn't it? That's, what, that's how relationships work in any context, whatever the type of relationship it is. Spending time together and, and talking to each other. That's the basis of it. And that's, so God wants us to spend uh, time with him, spend time with Jesus. Amen. Let's move on. So remember, we're talking about the principles that Jesus wants to be including in our prayers and the heart behind prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, when, when it says about forgive us our debts, we have to remember the context when we've just taken communion. You know, we're not, we're not begging, begging God to forgive our sins. We're not, we're not begging God even to deal with the principle of sin because all that was done on the cross. Amen? That's, that's, that's the principle, that we, the, the angle that we're coming from. Right? The price for sin has already been paid. It's been dealt with once and for all. So we're not we're not begging God to forgive our sins, but we do need to put things right with God. And we'll talk about that in more detail next week in personal prayer. But one John one verse nine says this is one of my favourite verses. If you're allowed favourites, one John one verse nine. I've I've got lots of favorites. All of them I say my favourites anyway. So if we can say, that's what Bruce used to say as well. You're all my favourite. Anyway, if we confess our sins. Stop distracting me. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a scripture. If we confess our sins. So we're not begging. So when it says forgive us our debts or, or trespasses, it says in the King James, but it's talking about, talking about sins, things that we've done wrong. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us. Amen. We don't have, we don't have to beg Him to forgive us. He, he, he says they're willing and, and ready. Amen. And so often we can misunderstand us and we can beat ourselves up and, and, but, you know, and, and think that we're not worthy or we, how can we possibly come into the presence of God as we talked about right at the beginning, recognizing our Father in heaven and the glory and majesty of who he is. But Jesus paid a monumental price, so you don't have to worry about that. Amen? He paid a price so that we could free from that, free, free from guilt. Do we need to put things right? Yes. If there's stuff you need to put right, put it right. But you don't need to spend four hours praying about it. You don't need to put sackcloth and ashes. You don't need to stick it on Facebook, how terrible a terrible person you are. You don't have to do any of those things, right? I don't know if anyone ever does it. Anyway, but we don't need to do any of those things, right? We we are forgiven. Amen? But it also says, and this is also there is a challenge to it as well, though. It does say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So forgiving other people is also incredibly important. It's incredibly important to God, the principle of forgiveness. It's an essence of very much the, the character of who god is forgiveness is very much the heart of it of course jesus tells a story does not it about you know the, the you know the the, the servant who, who's forgiven a monumental debt and he has another servant and won't forgive him refuses to give him a, a very small debt in comparison and jesus is like this is not good this is not kingdom culture this is not how it works you know we have we have no right as believers uh, to not forgive others and that's a challenge just let that get down in your spirit we have no right as believers to not forgive others we have no right if, if, we, if, we, if we refuse to forgive others or don't understand why we need to forgive others, I would even go so far as to say, do we truly understand the principle and the essence of forgiveness of for what God has forgiven us from? Because if we, if we understand it, then it shouldn't be difficult to forgive others. Now, of course, that doesn't, there may be some awful stuff that's gone on in your life, so I'm not belittling any of those things. There may be some really difficult stuff past already you've gone through or maybe still are going through. So I'm not being flippant you know, when I'm talking about forgiving others, but, it, but it's just a reality. Isn't it? And and the thing is with unforgiveness, all it does is it burdens us. It doesn't burden other people. It just burdens us, twists us up in knots, and and stops us moving on to all God has for us. So God will forgive our sin, but we also need to forgive others. Amen. But that could be a whole other message in itself. But that's a, that's a correct principle to do that. Okay, number six: Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, of course. God doesn't ever lead us into temptations, it's just kind of the way it's been translated in in English, okay? But what is what it's talking about is God help us in the times of temptation. Amen? And deliver us from the evil one. I've got a scripture on the screen, but it talks about how, how Jesus the reason Jesus is such a great high priest is because he was tempted in every single way. And I just take that as read. Is that Jesus was tempted in every single way? Jesus faced temptations. But he always dealt with it, he always took those thoughts captive, the way the Apostle Paul described it, take thoughts captives, and make them obedient to Christ. That's, that's how you deal with temptation, that's what Paul says. You know, in, in the world that we live in right now, we're, we're bombarded with temptation every, every day, aren't we? Of stuff that can come into your mind and, and you can be tempted. And, and it's not a sin to be tempted, so we not beat ourselves up about that, because remember Jesus was tempted in every single way, but it's but what, we do, what we do with it. We take those thoughts captive, amen, make them obedient to Christ. And, and God promises us to deliver us, amen. Psalm 34, verse 7, 17, sorry. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles, amen. What a God we serve. The righteous cry out, the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. And of course, we have a part to play in that as well. You know, the Bible says, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and, and he will flee. Remember, the devil has no... And I've said this before and I'll say it again because it's so important for us to get down deep into our spirits. For me to get down deep into my spirits, the devil has no right to do anything in your life if you're a believer. He has, literally has no right. He's no legal right or kind of a, a spiritual right, however you want to word it, to do anything in your life. Yes. Unless, unless you give him a foothold. Unless you give him an opportunity. He has no right to do anything. Because remember, you're not part of his dominion anymore. You're not under his authority, you're not under his power. He has no right to do anything. Amen. I'm going agree, right? It's fundamental to who we are as believers. He has no right to do anything in our life, and you know, we can, we can resist him. We can resist temptation, and we can resist the evil one. And God will help us in that, and will deliver us from this. But this is what we should pray, God. If you're struggling, and you know, and and if we all ask ourselves, we're probably all struggling with temptations on a daily basis. Whatever those temptations may be, I'm not going to make a big list or stick them up on screen, and we can all imagine what what some of them are, right? Or all of them are, right? Sorry, cake, <laughs> cake. <laughs> That is, there is. Some people, including me, including me, I've got a very, I've got a very sweet tooth, which Lisa's inherited. Um, Jack, to some extent, but particularly Lisa. Um, anyway, <laughs> I need deliverance from cake. right? Deliverance from the evil one. So next time you have cake, <laughs> submit yourself to God. Resist, resist the cake, and He will flee. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Why did God create so much food that tastes nice? that's bad for you. Okay, there one of my questions. There's a question for God. Isn't it? But if it if it if it tastes nice, then it's probably bad for you. Okay, you can kind of kind of make that assumption. <laughs> anyway, strange. There we go. Anyway, but there are a load of temptations in life, aren't there? A load of temptations in our world, and, and you know, particularly well, I was going to say particularly for young people, probably for all people with social media and all kind of stuff that's going on in, in our world right now. People, are just bombarded with just stuff, aren't you? In this, in this day and age, and it's, and it's almost impossible to avoid it. Unless we all go and live off-grid, and I don't know, go and buy a commune on the Isle of Wight or something. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm not recommending this. Okay? I'm not suggesting this. Okay? Unless you do any of these things, it's almost impossible, isn't it? You just can't avoid stuff. Just the world and what the world is. You know, we're in the world, but not of the world. Okay, so we shouldn't be you know, removing ourselves from the world anyway, because how are we ever going to reach anyone if we remove ourselves? Right? Jesus didn't try and remove himself. He was, the, in fact, he was at the heart of where the people were, wasn't he? He's like, well, hang on a minute. It's, it's, uh, when he got criticized, like, it's, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, it's the sick. he hang out with the tax collectors who were hated and the prostitutes who were hated and, and kind of people who, religious leaders, just, just like, Jesus, why are you hanging out with these people? What's wrong with you? And he's like, well, it's, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, it, it's the sick. So we don't remove ourselves from the world, but in this world of kind of these crazy temptations, we take thoughts captive. We ask God to deliver us from temptation, to deliver us from the evil one. Amen. And. The final kind of final point, as a, as the prayer ends, where Jesus is teaching us how to pray. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. So again, it ends. So it starts with our Father in heaven, holy is your name, well, hallowed be your name, and, and focusing on who who God is. That we're praying to our Father. We we pray to our Father. We recognise that He's in heaven. recognise the majesty, glory of, of who He is, and kind of kind of ends, kind of bookends it again. Recognizing who God is, who, who, we're, who we're praying to. Amen. The glory and honor of who, and power of who He is. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11, it mentions some of these same words. It says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as Head over all. That's who God is. Amen. So when we pray, we, um, as, as we end our as we end our time of prayers, and we're talking, I said we unpack part of kind of kind of overview, skipping through it this morning. But uh, as we talked about, teach us to pray. But we will talk more about personal prayer, unpacking it next week, what personal prayer looks like. But we end it with with again understanding the greatness and power. You don't have to use these exact words, okay? But understanding who God is, say God, I recognise who you are. I've prayed all this, I've prayed it in faith, I've prayed it in expectation, and I recognise the greatness. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. This is who I'm praying to. What an honor. I said it earlier, but what an honor it is to pray. In his glory and majesty and his power and his kingship as a king of kings and lord of lords. We can pray. We can communicate with him. Isn't that incredible? He understands all, all prayers, he understands all languages, he doesn't get confused, it's not like you have to wait for, you know, wait for a hotline in this kind of you know, world that we live in, you know where you make a, we make a phone call these days, it can be so infuriating, can't they, when you ring up a call centre and you've got to wait an hour and you've got an hour of like classical music or some annoying music and they tell you like you're number 357 in the queue, all that kind of stuff. Aren't you glad the God's not like that <laughs> when we pray, right? We're like getting some sort of heavenly queue. It's like you are number you you are like number seven billion five hundred forty six thousand three hundred twenty two in the queue. Right? That's not going to be good, right? By the time by the time you got time you got an answer, probably the, the, the issue would be dealt with, or you'd be dead. You'd be in heaven, or you be in heaven anyway. By the time it gets answered, right, that's true, right? Only glad that God's not like that, Amen. That we have free access to God any time. That's amazing. Let's never ever take that take that for granted. What a privilege and honor that is. And all the glory and the power and the honor of who he is that we have that privilege to come before him. So remember this is, so and it ends with, a practice a little bit. So and then it ends with amen, which in English just means so be it. May it be, so, so it will be. Amen. It's like just, just bookend, ending the very end of your press. So be it. Okay, it's not a religious word, but just saying so be it. All that I've prayed, so be it, Lord. Amen. So remember the principle here that we're talking about—all these principles that we've kind of unpacked this morning—is to be an inspirational framework for our prayers. It's not intended to be a religious obligation. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with reading this or even, you know, quoting it out loud because, again, it's scripture. You can't go wrong with reading out scripture, right? Amen. Okay, but it's not supposed to be a religious exercise. Well, let's just say the Lord's Prayer, okay? Because that's a kind of—it's kind of missing the aspect of it or the principles of. it. But it's—it's it's, it's the different principles behind it is what matters. We understand He's our Father in heaven. We understand He's holy. We we pray for His kingdom to come. We pray for His kingdom to come in our lives. We understand that we're part of a different kingdom. We're not part of the dominion of darkness. We're part of the kingdom of the Son. We pray for His will to be done on earth. We pray for His will to be done in our own lives, just like His perfect will is done in heaven. We pray for our daily bread. We pray for Jesus to be our daily bread, to spend time with Him. And we pray for that daily bread of provision and protection. We pray for God to forgive our sins if there's anything we need to put right with God. Remember, we're not, we're not begging him. He doesn't need to go to the cross again. It is done. It is finished. It is over. God, Jesus has already paid the price. But what we're doing is just putting things right with God. And if there's things we need to put right with others, and you may not even see those people, There could be people who have even passed away, and you're still holding stuff. That's the reality. I see that as a pastor. Uh, happens in people's lives they could have an issue with a parent and they, who died 20 years ago there's still unforgiveness in their spirit The person you may not be able to put the thing right but what you can do is put it right before god if you need to let go of some stuff let go of some stuff and if you want to unpack that past already obviously come and talk to me and wendy we'll chat that, that stuff through more we forg- we ask forgiveness for our debts or our trespasses we forgive those who have our own debtors or trespass against us we pray for god to deliver us from temptation Amen? To take those thoughts captives to give us the strength to understand that Jesus was tempted in every single way himself so he understands what we're going through. He's our great high priest. Amen? And he will deliver us from the evil one. He will give us the strength to endure. He will give us the strength to, to overcome sin. Yeah. Remember our sinful natures been dealt with. It was nailed to the cross itself. Amen? And then we understand who, who God is. The kingdom, the, the power and the glory. The majesty of who God is. The awesomeness of who God is. Amen? Amen. This is going to, as I said, will lead us kind of naturally into talking about personal prayer next week and having a personal prayer life. Amen. You know, whatever your personal prayer life looks like, it's just kind of, as we kind of come to a close, but a, whatever your personal prayer life looks like, and this is a challenge to me as I'm sure it is as much to anybody else, is God wants, I believe that God wants your personal prayer life to improve with him. Amen. I don't think any of us will have a perfect prayer life. And if you've got a perfect Christian life, great. Come and talk to me about it. I'd love to know more about what you're doing. Great. Let's talk about it. Awesome. You can be an inspiration to me. Excellent. Okay. But I believe that all of us, God wants our personal prayer life to to improve. And if we're all honest with ourselves, remember, don't beat yourself up about it. Okay. We're not we're not, we're not getting down on ourselves this morning. But if we're just honest with ourselves, then it probably, possibly it could improve. Maybe the communication isn't what it is. Maybe it's something we just tag on to the end of the day, or you do, or, or we pray for for two minutes on on the way to work, and that's better than not praying, but sometimes do we give it the priority that it should get? In all the other businesses of life, and many of those things are very real things, but in all the business of life, is it a priority? Is, is, is communication with God a priority? And do we allow him to speak back into our lives? You know, when, when we come to God, are we just, do we just kind of, you know, we've got like an A4 piece of paper with a list of all the things God needs to sort out in our lives? And, <laughs> okay. Or oh, A3, A4, A1 poster yeah, it's on that screen. Yeah. Yeah, maybe all the things that God needs to sort out. And, and remember, we should bring our press before God. There's that's nothing wrong with that in one sense. okay? But I'll be kind of doing that, but we don't, it's not really communion with God. It's not really communication with God. We don't give him an opportunity to speak back into our lives. It is very much, yeah, like I said, a one-way, uh, a one-way thing. And that's not God's desire for, for prayer. Amen? So I think we can all do, do it better. And I definitely include myself in that to make it a priority in our lives. Amen? More of a priority is already. And if, if you need to restructure some things in your life, let's be practical about this stuff. If you need to restructure some things in your life, restructure some stuff in your life. If it means you need to get up a bit earlier, then and, and get up a bit earlier. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I, was, I was good with everything you said until that point. <laughs> But the beasts of realities, aren't they? It's what, it's what Jesus used to do. It, it, it says that Jesus, the, the disciples would wake up and they didn't know where Jesus was. He'd already got up about an hour before them, and they were like, where's, "Where's Jesus again? It must be <laughs> crazy being, being a disciple at times." You ever watch? If you watch a chosen, the kind of things that well, other programs are kind of depicted. You can kind of really see that going on, can not you? And they're like, what's, "What's Jesus gone now? Where's he gone now? <laughs> I don't have a clue what's going on half the time." Um, because Jesus just it was just such a massive priority for Jesus and if it's a massive priority for Jesus it should be a massive priority for us amen so we can all go deeper in our in our walk with God amen we'll go deeper in our in our personal prayer life with God so that's what we're going to unpack a lot more uh, next week let's stand to our feet let's just let's just pray together thank you Jesus thank you lord what an honor it is to be able to pray to you what an honor it is and it's and we, we focused on the cross this morning as we took communion together and it's all because of the cross it's all because of what you did for us and what you won for us but what, what an honor and a privilege it is that we have free access, Lord, into your, into your presence. The thing that the, the Israelites, they, they, they long to see, it talks about Moses longing to see that day of promise being fulfilled. And we have something that even those great patriarchs of the Old Testament didn't have because, because the cross hadn't happened at that stage. Lord, we, we have total free access into your presence. Lord, may we never, ever take that for granted. Lord, what you've won for us. Lord, what you've bought for us that we can go into the Holy of Holies. We can go into your presence, Lord. We We can speak to you. We don't have to wait around. And we've joked about it, Lord, but that is around. We don't have to wait around. We don't have to wait for anybody else. Lord God, we all have free access to you. Lord, and you hear our prayers and you hear our prayers instantly. Lord, and we thank you for the, for the truth of that. Lord, and, and even more so than that, you know what's on our hearts anyway, Lord God, because you, you know what's going on Lord, in our worlds. You know us better, Lord, than we know ourselves. You know the circumstances better than we even do ourselves. Lord, but you want us to pray and to bring those things before you. Lord, and you want it to be a two-way thing, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for every single person here, including myself, Lord, that, Lord, that prayer will be a, a bigger priority in our lives. Lord, if we have to restructure some stuff in our lives... And it can be—it all it can be the challenges of work and kids and all the demands of life. And Lord, you know, Lord God, but I pray, Lord, we will make good decisions in that. Help us to restructure that. Help us to have the the, the courage and the guts to do that. Oh God, to to make some changes, to, to get up a bit earlier, whatever whatever we need to do. But just to make it a priority in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray every single person will go deeper in their relationship with you in their prayer life with you. But Lord, well, what a privilege it is. And thank you, Lord, for as we read this morning, for teaching us how to pray, oh God. Lord, Lord, and I pray Lord, we'll get those principles right, oh God. Lord, we'll start by recognizing just who you are, focusing on the majesty and honor and glory of who you are, oh God. Oh God, that your will will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. Your will be done across the earth as it is in heaven, oh God. And we know, Lord, you'll forgive us our sins when we need to put things right, Lord. And help us to have, have the courage and, Lord, to forgive others when we need to do that, Lord God. Give us the strength, Lord, in each order to do that. Praise you, God. Lord, and I pray you help us, Lord, when we're tempted. Lord God, we just know your presence with us. Lord, we will take thoughts captive and deal with them at that stage before the seed becomes a, a, a kind of a plant before it grows and gets into our heart. We'll deal with it at seed level. Lord, and help us to do that. Lord, give us a strength, Lord, and we can only do it in your strength. Lord, but the reality is we can do all things through you who strengthen us. Lord, as Paul says, Lord, I thank you for that reality. Lord, help us to overcome the temptations of life in this crazy, crazy world and confused world. Lord, help us to live right and holy and righteous, Lord, in your sight. Lord, deliver us from the evil one. I thank you, Lord, we can wear the armor of God, Lord, and we can take up the shield of faith. Lord, we have the sword of the Spirit and the belt of truth and all the others that, that are mentioned, Lord God. And deliver us from the evil one, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Protect us, Lord. And we thank you that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Lord, it's all about you. It will always be about you. Well, it starts with you and ends with you. Lord, you are the, you are the start and the end. You are the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last. Lord, so when we pray, we recognize who you are. And in your glory and your honor and your power and your majesty, your holiness, Lord, we can pray to you. What a privilege that is. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, For every single one of us, Lord, teach us how to pray to you. Lord, work us in our lives. Do what you desire to do in us and through us. Thank you, Lord. I was going to pray a second prayer as well. I just want to give anyone just an opportunity. If you don't yet know God, or maybe you just need to put things right in your life with God this morning. Maybe have just gone a bit off track, and God's just speaking to you this morning. I just just encourage you just to listen to that that still small voice inside you, and that's the God just trying to get you back on track and encouraging you to do that. and if you don't yet know God, if you've never invited God into your life, if you don't know what it means to be a Christian, you can know that this morning. Amen. as we've talked a lot this morning about Jesus paying a huge price he did that did that for you he He loves you, He gave his very life for you. that's how much he that's how much He loves you. And he, he, his, his, his passionate desire for you is, for, is, for, is to give you life and life to the full on this earth and for you to have eternal life with him when you leave this earth. That's his passionate desire for you. The Bible says it's not at God's will that any should perish, but that all will have eternal life. That's, that's his heart for you and his love for you and his passion for you. So if that's you this morning, I'd encourage you to pray this prayer. We're going to pray a prayer in a second. If that's you, i just encourage you to pray this and invite God into your life. And you can know what it is to be a believer, to be a Christian this morning, to have the promise of eternal life. And God will start working, working in your life and you'll have a relationship with him and be able to pray to him and, and so many uh, blessings. Uh, you know, the Bible says we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ and you can know every spiritual blessing in Christ this morning by inviting him into your life. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for your incredible love for me. Thank you for coming to earth. To die on the cross for me. So that I could be forgiven. So that I could be made righteous in your sight. I invite, I invite you now into my life. I ask you to wash me clean. To make me new. I want to live for you. I want to have the promise of eternal life. With you forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, if everyone just keeps their eyes closed for a second, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you're getting things right with God or you're just inviting God into your life for the very first time, you've never prayed a prayer like that before, i just encourage you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, I have prayed that, Pastor Paul, I prayed that prayer because I would just love just to chat with you and, and myself and my wife would love just to chat with you and pray with you and talk about more about the decision you've made. Is there anyone this morning? Don't miss your opportunity. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're amazing. You truly are amazing. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of praying to you. Praise you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.